Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Al D. This is a show designed for aspiring current and former MBAs looking for advice on how you can grow your career through an MBA degree. During each episode, I'll talk to MBA students, graduates, and leaders about the MBA experience, navigating the workplace, and career development so you can learn how to develop and achieve your own version of career success through an MBA and beyond. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBAschool.com. Uh, today's guest is Laura Fox, who is an NYU Stern MBA graduate. This is a really great episode about Laura's journey to discovering she wanted to get an MBA, her time and experience at NYU Stern, her career experience after graduating from business school, and how she's not only been able to pursue a job that is interesting, but also found other pursuits in her career that have propelled her forward. She actually also teaches a class now at NYU Stern, her alma mater. This is a really thoughtful and interesting episode of someone who's really internalized her own ideas and aspirations and really used her time in business school to achieve them and really go on her own path. I enjoyed this conversation very much, and I think you'll learn a lot from it. A special thank you to Brian Ramos and Jessica Neville from the NYU Stern team for helping me secure Laura for this interview. I think you'll really enjoy this. All right, Laura, it's so great to have you here. I always love starting the podcast with a warm-up question for my guest. And my warm-up question for you, Laura, is what was your first job? And what was an important lesson that you learned from that experience? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, first, Al, I really appreciate it and excited to be here. My first job was actually as a golf caddy. is <laughs> near my house on the south side of Chicago. And I did that for, believe it or not, seven summers from the time that I was about 12 until I was around 19 or 20. And honestly, like I didn't really know what to expect when I started. Like I'd never golfed in my life. I'm still not a golfer. <laughs> Someone in my grade school just told me that it was good money and, you know, I needed money for textbooks and school items. And so I was like, okay, sign me up. <laughs> but on starting, caddying is actually fascinating in that there's a whole like social dynamic to the job. Players expect you to be a bit of an entertainer, you know, a source of conversation and stories and not just a carrier of clubs. But imagine me, I'm 12, right? I don't come from high-end background and I'm caddying for like mostly older men and, and didn't really know many people who are in quote-unquote business, which is a funny turn to my later part of the story. <laughs> so I didn't really know what to say to them. And so I actually just started a conversational approach that I still use to date a lot, which is, you know, admitting I don't know, and just asking a lot of questions. And so that ability to talk to and learn from just about anyone through asking questions is pretty fundamental to who I am today. And I credit those seven years of caddying, starting with like very uncomfortable moments when I was 12. <laughs> So this has never happened before. That was my first job. <laughs> no was, way. <laughs> and I was 12 years old when I started as a caddy. Um, so my motivations were slightly different in that I did play golf. And I okay. learned that if you caddied at least twice a week, they would let you play on Mondays, uh, which is a standard yeah. customization, the custom kind of at a lot of a lot of other country clubs. But similar to you, I very much credit my abilities to have conversations with people today and honestly, even do this podcast to learning at age 12, how to talk to a bunch of, at that time, in my head, old people. Um, but in reality, many of them were our in their age. own, yeah, our yes. age, but also <laughs> in their own, in their own right, successful business leaders, uh, you know, a lot of doctors, lawyers, uh, small business individuals, people working uh, in corporate jobs. And 
it opened so many doors that I could have never imagined. <laughs> I, t- I, totally agree. I have two quick anecdotes on that point too. One, I actually started out college in pre-med because I was like, I really want to help people. Like I didn't really know any doctors, but like being a doctor seemed like a way that you tangibly help people. <laughs> and I caddied for this group of doctors for a while. And when they found out after my second year, they're like, Hey, Laura, you know, we were hoping that you would just start and maybe you'd learn that you didn't like it, but like, you're still pretty idealistic about this. Do you want to come shadow each of us <laughs> for a couple of days each? And so I did. <laughs> and it was an incredible way to learn and wow. see how much time they spent on paperwork versus time with people led to like a big change in my kind of focus in undergrad. And then two, just like, to your point, like having these in-depth conversations with people that you never would have met otherwise. You know, right. it's the south side of Chicago. One of the people I, I caddied for was Eugene Fama, who has a Nobel laureate in economics, talks about these ideas of random walks. I had no framework for understanding the work that he had done at the time, but again, was able to ask questions and kind of it opened up an entire world and system of language to me that I hadn't understood previously. So I eventually ended up minoring in economics in addition to literature <laughs> in undergrad. And so it is just amazing how your world can completely open by being willing to be curious and admit when you don't know <laughs> and learn from people who are completely different than you. So you started as a caddy. At some point, you went to college, you thought about pre-med. And eventually, I think you did find your way into the working world. But talk to me a little bit about what did you do prior to going to business school? And why did you choose to pursue an MBA? For me, a lot of the focus for me across my career has been after undergrad of how do I improve cities? And what Mm. does that mean? And, And prior to business school, that focus had been on the effects of cultural organizations on cities and communities, both socially and also economically. And I wrote a lot about that intersection outside of my day job while living in Chicago. And then I ended up moving to Qatar in the Middle East to work for their museums where they were trying to shape urban and national identity through culture. That experience is incredibly transformational for me personally. I didn't grow up traveling. My only other really meaningful experience living outside of the U.S. was studying abroad in college in Italy. And the experience led me to, again, ask a lot of questions, right, and see the world from different perspectives. So questions around things like top-down strategies, how effective are those, Um, especially in thinking about top-down versus community-oriented strategies or business strategies. What's the role of private sector? What's the role of public sector? And the experience also led me to rethink the ways that I wanted to support cities. When you walk around Qatar, there's no sidewalks, no buses, no subways at the time, no affordable housing, and and frankly, you know, some pretty limited human rights. And so I came to realize that I wanted to focus on critical aspects of people's lives in cities like housing, transportation, infrastructure, and climate. And so I knew that I needed an additional set of skills for that. And then in parallel, my roles prior to business school were in digital strategy, in, in quotes, um, and that they were pretty broad. They're like, here's a young person in the digital kind of transition that is like 2008 to 2011. So that was a range of marketing related things, product things, customer experience, both online and then digitally in, in physical spaces. And there were a lot of aspects of those roles that were really fun and creative, but I oftentimes felt like I was downstream from decision-making and that I oftentimes disagreed with some of those decisions or felt like we could have done something different, but I had to execute and and find a way of making it work. So I wanted to gain some of the financial and strategic skill sets that would allow me to engage in that upstream strategy setting, set better strategies and things like that. And so both of those 
kind of wanting to make a bigger impact on cities and then wanting to gain a new skill set brought me to NYU Stern because Stern was the only business school with an urbanization project embedded in it. A problem called the urbanization project at the time that was led by an economist named Paul Romer. And the program is now housed in the Marin Institute. So it's like perfect <laughs> business and cities uh, all in New York City, right? The you know biggest, most dynamic city in the U.S. So similar, drawing back here on your experience being a caddy, did you know other people around you who went to business school or did you find other people who were in this profession or this aspirational profession you were hoping to be in who had MBAs or how did, how did, uh, was there, what was the environment around you like or the mentors or other people around you kind of, did, did you have any of that or was this something that you found on your own? Yeah, I I really explored a lot of different things. I think at first I was considering, okay, business school versus public policy school, something that I have become very comfortable with over time. I think probably crediting back to the beginning of caddying is just like being willing to send a cold email or to reach out and try to find someone to talk to. And so, you know, I had a lot of conversations with people. I did school visits before I left estates for Qatar at the time. I was I then worked in Bangladesh um, a little bit after Qatar. I did find a couple of people who had gone to business school and talked about how transformative that experience was. There was actually a consulting team at the museum's authority who I met and got to know really well. A couple of them had gone to business school. We got to talk about their experiences. When I had found and done a lot of research about NYU and this urbanization project, I reached out to a couple people at the school. Uh, they connected me to a couple people that had done the first projects with this urbanization project. I talked to them when I was in Qatar and then in Bangladesh as well. And, and so it really gave me a great perspective of, okay, first, how do I make this decision? Like, what are the skills that I want to gain thinking through kind of a policy-based program versus a business program? And then two, once I'd made the decision about business school and been focused on NYU, both the whole admissions process uh, to, okay, now I'm admitted and I'm going there. What are the best ways to optimize my experience? And what are some of the things I should be thinking about? Especially because I was ready to knock down the door of the urbanization project to work on projects with them while I was there. So I wanted to talk to anyone who had done that previously too. It definitely sounds like you did your homework and you really lasered in and were intentional about finding a place that could align with some of your professional goals. Just would be curious to know from your time at Stern, what were maybe one or two highlights or impactful experiences that you had, if you could only pick one or two? I think first, honestly, I just gained a ton of business fundamentals that I hadn't had previously, right? I was a non-traditional major, like, you know, kind of some pre-med literature, some economics, and so I took strategy classes with Sonia Marciano, corporate finance with Demodoran, cash flow modeling uh, with Dan Godet, negotiation strategy with Dolly Chug. It was kind of one of these moments where I just felt incredibly powered to gain a toolkit for the first time that I felt like I could deploy in lots of really interesting ways. But my favorite experiences were applying those skills in real world contexts, which were really enabled by a huge range of experiential learning programs that NYU offers and has really pioneered. And so a couple of them included uh, working with the Urbanization Project, of course, uh, and I'll talk a little bit about that one in particular, and then working with programs like NYU Abu Dhabi and World Wildlife Fund in the UAE, doing some really interesting work there. And on that first one for the Urbanization Project, this was a fascinating project and then Mexico City had approached us to help them rethink how they approach affordable housing through market-driven strategies. And I worked on the project with two incredible classmates who have become 
thought partners, friends for life, and then also uh, advisors, Alain Berteau and his wife, Marie Agnes, who also become dear friends, almost like family. From that experience, I also then later edited Alain's book, Order Without Design, on weekends and my first job after business school. And so that was a really close relationship and really taught me a lot. And for the this project specifically, it was a great learning for me in that I think that Mexico City thought that we were going to come back with suggestions for more regulations. So if cities like New York do things called inclusionary zoning, where developers get to build higher or have you know greater FAR ratio in exchange for a percentage of units being affordable. It's a pretty common strategy, but it doesn't really impact the overall affordability of a housing market and doesn't actually create many affordable units. And so instead, you know, we used our burgeoning MBA <laughs> toolkit and we both scraped and found a bunch of open data sources on their land data. We built a large financial model to understand how their regulations unaffected that land data and affected developer incentives to build. And we found that it was actually the existing regulations that were blocking developers from building lower income or middle income housing. And so worked with the city to help them understand how they could adjust those regulations, which they eventually did. And it was incredibly empowering that one, I saw the impact and change that you could see through deploying these kinds of skill sets, right? Financial modeling, kind of advisory type work for cities. And then two, it was a great example for me of how people with the best of intentions, right? I want to have more affordable housing in my city can make poor decisions unintentionally without good data, kind of understanding the private markets and things like that. And so it was really a great foundation for me in thinking through and building on this knowledge of like, what are the best ways for public sector and private sector to work together? So that my like probably favorite project. We did a semester of that. We built out a larger tool set for them um, later. And then the project in the UAE that I mentioned as a second one, we actually went to work with the UAE NYU Abu Dhabi, World Wildlife Fund, the Emirate of Fujairah to help think through a national park strategy. And that to me was a great project in that it really used the full kind of extent of the business skill set. It was both from the beginning, kind of breaking down a project into components, hypothesis-based understanding, setting up work streams, building financial models, building implementation plans from, you know, an operating model to a like who are your customers going to be? How are you going to reach them? What does the marketing side of this look like? To how do you think about fundraising, debt financing? And so it was a really great end-to-end project. And overall, like those two projects I just mentioned were just two of many of the experiential learning projects that I did at NYU. I also had a post-MBA fellowship to go work in Shanghai for three months uh, to work on with an urban tech accelerator develops a new go-to-market strategies for social impact business in Guatemala, advice small businesses in Vietnam, uh, and new products to consume less water. And so I just felt like continuously NYU not only prepared me to take on any challenges post-business school, but allowed me to really tailor my experience, my interests around cities, public-private partnerships, climate, and more, and do that in a real-world way. So based off of what you did or what you decided to go to business school for and just talking through some of those learning experiences inside of the classroom, outside of the classroom, definitely see how those experiences really furthered some of those goals that you had for yourself. So after you graduated from Stern, what was your first job? What was that experience like? How did it help you take that next step in your career? Yeah. After business school, I worked for uh, the Boston Consulting Group because I knew that I wanted to continue to strengthen my strategy and finance toolkit to continue to kind of build that toolkit out to make an impact on 
cities and climate spaces that I cared about. And so kind of similar to Stern, right? BCG is an incredible environment. There's tons of different projects. And I worked on a range of those projects, but was able to really, again, tailor the experience. And so I did standard strategy projects for large tech companies, but even did them also for modern art museums uh, to help think about building new businesses for them. I built new mobility products with BCG's Digital Ventures Group and launched them to a number of different international markets to projects that included building out, you know, an innovation pipeline and investment strategy for the world's largest urban philanthropy group. And so, again, felt like I was really able to use the toolkit, but deploy it in ways that helped further some of my long-term career interests. And I would say some of the biggest learnings for me coming from that experience were, you know, things like uh, that actually felt kind of simple <laughs> and that, you know, from NYU and BCG, I felt like I just gained a great confidence on my own problem solving skills that no matter how big, how nasty, how complicated the problem that I could find a way to like solve it and figure it out. And so that was great. And I think continues to be empowering day to day now. And then second, you know, consulting, um, and I know that you did a tour in consulting too. Uh, it's just an incredible high-speed tour through strategies, cultures, org structures, leaders of important firms and helps you see what do I like about this? Uh, what do I not like? What are practices I want to continue in my future career? Which ones wouldn't I want to continue? And so I think really helped hone some of that, again, just broader understanding outside of some of the technical skill sets as well. I could definitely relate to a lot of that from my own experience. I think the the thing that also really stands out for me, and I I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'll I'll just knowing <laughs> what just from this conversation yeah. of just talking with you, if you're someone who is genuinely curious about things and also yeah. likes talking to people, oh, I mean, just as an example, one of the things that I had to do a lot of, and I'm sure you had to do too, was a lot of interviews, right? Yes. In terms of, <laughs> a, you know, when you're on engagement, you got to go talk to this division, that division, any other division in between. And to your point, you learned so much about how organizations work or perhaps maybe how they, they shouldn't work uh, <laughs> or in some cases, in some cases how they should work. But I f often found that even though a project may have ended, my curiosity for whatever it is we did didn't stop. And that was something that always really made the work really, really interesting when, when you did get interesting projects. Totally. And, and that when you connect with the work um, and the industry and the people, honestly, like the people relationships continue too. Of course. Um, someone just came over that I had worked on a project for, for the Modern Art Museum that's, that's based in New York. Two weeks ago, we did a whiteboarding session because he's thinking about rethinking how they think about introducing new projects and new parts of the portfolio. Like, how do they do that? What's the What's the innovation framework, what's the process, what's the org structure. And I just love that, right? Where like it's your curiosity and the content continues, you gain a lot of knowledge yourself. And then you also kind of just develop these depths of relationships that was certainly something that I wasn't expecting before going into consulting. Hey there, it's Al. And thanks so much for listening to the MBA Insider podcast. I wanted to take a quick break to ask you a small favor. I'm loving doing this show and I hope you're enjoying it too. Unfortunately, it's still pretty hard to spread the word on podcasts, and that's where I would really love your help. If you're enjoying this episode, I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes to leave a review and rate this podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, or simply share it on social media or send it to a friend. I'm incredibly grateful for your support. Thank you, and let's get back to the show. So 
what do you do now? What What's your role now? And I guess as a follow-up to that, how did your MBA really help you navigate to the role that you're in today? Yeah. Yeah. So I guess to round out the story, after BCG, I joined Sidewalk Labs, which focus on climate and cities. And it's dedicated to kind of building a future of, of cities. What does that look like? Was previously kind of a subsidiary of Alphabet, now is fully rolled into Alphabet and led their work on kind of an innovation and development plan for Toronto, uh, which is really exciting. Um, And then after that, continued down urban and climate path, I came to Lyft to be the general manager for CityBike, which is one of the world's largest micromobility systems, where I oversee strategy, growth, operations, marketing, our public-private partner with this public-private partnership with the city, um, along with a great team. And then outside of work now, I teach an MBA strategy class at NYU. I'm on the board of Governors Island here in New York, which is a place that focuses on you know, climate and cities and is building out a climate institute. And then I'm a mentor and advisor at a number of early stage startups in the mobility space. And as an exciting next chapter, um, I'm currently building out a VC fund with a co-founder that's focused on cities and climate called Street Life Ventures. And so I'm excited about that. And I think for all of these pieces of the story, my MBA really set me up for next steps um, and has been incredibly pivotal in, in my career, both in transitioning functions, right? I went from a super broad digital kind of portfolio and piece of work to being able to leverage financial and strategic work, as well as kind of going much deeper on subject matter expertise, right? Deeper focus on urban areas. And it set me up to be incredibly nimble as I pursue these passions for cities and climate across a number of different roles. There's a bunch of threads I want to pull on in there. I think the one I want to mm-hmm. start with is I'd be curious to know. So with the benefit of hindsight, looking back at all the steps along the way that you've made, given your interest and your aspiration, even starting from your first job to where you are now, I could totally see how it makes sense for you to be the role that you're in or not even make sense, but how you got to the role that you're in. But I would be curious as you reflect back on it, particularly knowing, I, mean, I do think Lyft was probably around when you probably started your, or close to when you started your career, but to potentially be in a industry or a field that didn't necessarily fully exist when you started down this path and just any thoughts in terms of what you've either learned from trying to, I guess, make moves in your career or plan in your career but also knowing that the thing that you're doing now didn't, in theory, exist at various yeah. points along this path. Yeah. So the, the thing that I'd say is, so when I was 23, I think I had the only, so far, knock on wood, career, career crisis I've ever had. <laughs> I felt like I didn't know what I was doing or where I was going. And so picking up a theme, I cold emailed and I think LinkedIn had probably to start around the time. So like cold LinkedIn message, (laughs) like 30 people or something like that, that I had found. And a few of them answered, not that many, but enough. (laughs) And uh, one of them was a woman who ran the Chicago Community Trust at the time. And I think I was just like so excited and nervous (laughs) when I met her that I think my second sentence after nice to meet you was probably something like, how did you figure it all out? (laughs) Um, And she burst out laughing, like as we're both laughing, (laughs) right? And said that like, no one has it figured out and it's all in the trying. (laughs) And I think at the time, it's almost like I thought that she was just like not revealing like the truth of her path (laughs) to me. And now I, I just, I really get it, right? And I couldn't agree more. Like, I think the idea of like, having it figured out sounds rather dull and predictable too, and that it's fun to have an experimental career. 
And, you know, another anecdote, a good friend and former colleague of mine from my time at Sidewalk Labs, she's done, she did real estate investment banking uh, out of undergrad, went, got her MBA focused on real estate and did some real estate asset management, commercial deals, worked with us now is also doing real estate. And she, and she once told me, she's like, sometimes when I think about your career, it's like the forest and like every tree is like slightly unique. And mine, and then she was like, and for her own career, she described as like the straight line through the forest. She's like, I'm like on high speed, high octane, just like going down the path. And I think that there's a lot of beauty actually in, in realizing that like, there's things that you care about. There can be, you could go down that high octane path and just decide like, I'm just going to go really deep and I'm going to be constantly focused on the next kind of promotion, the next role. Or you could go broader and explore and be curious about the broader space that your interests lead you in. I've, I've chosen the second one and I've chosen to be surprised and excited by how my interests and set of experiences come together because I've just found that to be so meaningful and exciting to me. But everyone has to choose for themselves, I think, how that works. And I couldn't have predicted 15 years ago where I would be now. And I think I can't predict you know, 15 years looking in the future where I'll be. And I think that that's actually a good thing and something that I get excited about now rather than it feeling scary or the unknown or something like that. And so I, I think I would just give advice to folks that like, it's okay to not have it figured out and you can set up experiments for yourself and you can learn along the way. And that's actually the fun part. <laughs> and so like, let's have fun while we're doing this too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think well, to that point, the part of, I think why you choose to go to business school is to be able to do something that you want to do. And yeah. I think it's, it's very easy to lose, I think, lose sight of that, or in some cases to go to do the thing that you think you want to do and then forget the fact that e even if you don't want to do that thing anymore, part of why you got that piece of paper is to have the ability to have choice about what you want to do next. Yeah. And, and I think that's, yeah, I think that's, yeah. I think that's something that people forget. Yeah, it's, it's totally true. And, and it's easy. I mean, for folks that are listening sure. and thinking yeah. about going to business school or maybe they're in the middle of it now, like it's easy in your first year to get caught up in like, the rush right. of like when you know when I went to business school, yeah. I was like I I I had had this experience, like lucky experience of having consultants on a project when I was at the museums authority and being like wow that would be a great next step and so I, I went in thinking this could be a great thing to do next but I had classmates who were amazing at film and like actually have phenomenal careers now <laughs> in the film industry and media industry. And they all of a sudden were recruiting for investment banking because they were just like, I don't know, everyone else is doing it. I feel like I need to, to show up. <laughs> it's so structured, right? And like, it is easy to like, kind of have these moments of questioning, like, if I'm not going on the path that everyone else is going on, does that make sense? And that's where I think having an idea of like, what are the things that I really want? What matters to me? And if you want to show up to that investment banking thing, because you don't know, and you want it to be experimental, that's great and learn from it, but don't feel like, you're going just because it's the expectation of the path that you take after business school. So something else I've observed from talking with folks like you and others is that uh, going back to your analogy of the, the forest or the trees, <laughs> that growth mode can evolve and change over time. There certainly are people who they start on a path where they very much are f focused on just they know where they need to go and they want to get yeah. there. And then something changes in their life or something changes in their interests and they decide to take another path. There are other people who they maybe they move around a little bit until they find the thing that they want to do. And then they just go very, very focused at that thing. 
And that can change over time. That can change as your life changes, as you become a parent, as you care for a sick parent, as things in life change, as you move. And having, I think, that intentionality around the type of growth that you want at any given time, I think, gives you the ability to really have the choice to, to choose how you, you want to grow. And I, I've observed, at least, I think that is definitely something that I think you can gain from an MBA in terms of, A, having the versatility to, to do something like yes. that, but B, also the mindset and just the general, I guess, career practices that can enable you to, to think in that holistic kind of way. Yeah, I completely agree. A lot of my friends are going through now the exactly the phase that you spoke about, which is like, hey, actually, for the next two two years, you know, especially if someone just had just had a baby or is introducing that to their family, they're like, I want a job that has a lot of meaning to me, but I don't want to be working all the time, right? right. And like that idea of like yeah. acceleration, slow down. Like, if you're choosing to like slow down a little bit, it doesn't mean that you can't speed up again in the future, right? And so I think that this idea that we maybe start in our very early 20s about that, like, you always need to be like hitting the gas, <laughs> right, as fast right. as you can, and pursuing just like down that one road, right. And that's kind of a meaningful career. I just think that there's so many more options and sure. um, ability to explore. And that's where I really do think that also developing both your own sense of self, but developing a group of peers that supports you and cares about you along the way is really critical. One of the things when I look back at my NYU experience was like just meeting people who were thinking about and figuring out things in the same way that, that I was, was impactful. None of us have had the same kind of career. There's a group of folks who I'm probably my closest set of friends from business school where we do a monthly masterminds group where we get together, we think about a topic, <laughs> someone preps for it, we're constantly learning through each other. And we've also done things like reading books that I would recommend everyone here, like designing your life, which is looking at, you know, as you think about bigger career transitions, or you're thinking about the balance between your career, your personal life, <laughs> your other interests, like how do those all shake out and what are different career paths you can imagine for yourself? And so I completely agree that those pulse checks never stop, right? In terms of where am I going? What am I finding satisfaction from? What's the next thing that feels like a right fit for me? So something else I noticed as you talked about it was the fact that in addition to having this job uh, that you, it sounds like you very much enjoy it, you also, as you said, you teach at NYU Stern, you're our VC scout getting involved in the venture space. I'd be curious to know, how do you think about these things within the context of your career? I, I think that any one of those things could be on its own something that someone could have a, a have a job in and say, hey, this is great. I, I really like this one thing. But you have all three of them. And so, I mean, there's some practical questions around that of how the heck do you do that? But, but more, <laughs> some more philosophical and strategic ones in terms of what do these serve for you and, 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 and how does being engaged in them benefit you both from a just fulfillment as well as a, a growth and development perspective? Yeah, it's a great question. Maybe I'll, I'll start with the NYU uh, role first too. I, I loved my experience at NYU. I found that it was just completely transformational for me personally right? And allowed me to make a major pivot in my career. But not every moment of that was like, I I was perfect, right? Like it was messy, right? Like you're learning new skills, uh, you're getting better, you're gaining real world experience in areas that you'd never considered before. 
And so I really get excited about supporting people through that same journey. <laughs> and a former professor of mine when I was at NYU, Sonia Marciano, who I had TA'd for in every class that I could, I just really admire and think so highly of her. And then the now former head of the experiential learning program, Brian Ramos, had reached out to me about this class that they wanted to put together that was focused on practical strategy. So how do I take these set of skills that I'm learning in a first semester, right? Strategy, finance, corporate finance, accounting, statistics, and then apply that to real world projects and be partnered with you know, quote unquote clients so that students can gain experience, whether they're thinking about going into consulting as a next step, strategy at a tech company or others. Partners for the company, partners for the class range from Facebook and uh, related uh, and JLL to large banks to smaller startups. And so it really gives students a great opportunity to solve a difficult problem. And so I think that that has been really exciting in terms of supporting students as they're making that same tradition, like transition that is hard, right? And naturally hard. And then I'm also pitching another class at NYU right now that's focused on similar concepts, but focus on, again, cities and climate. So I'm excited to teach that in the future as well. And we can continue to think about how you can bring the MBA skill set to these areas that have massive markets in the future, larger scale problems and things like that. And then on the VC scout side, one of the best things about being an operator in quotes, right? When you work for and run a PL uh, for large scale companies that you are owning and driving that business, you know your industry really well. It's really exciting. You're managing a team uh, to do that and you're going really deep on a day-to-day basis. But I am to our theme of the conversation that we both share, like really curious and my interests span all of these intersections of climate, cities, mobility, and others. And so I started out just advising um, and mentoring a lot of early stage startups. Those turned to more equity kind of advisory roles at a number of startups. I was having a lot of conversations with VCs who wanted to invest in uh, startups in this space, but didn't know how, didn't understand some of the business models. And so naturally just started sending them companies that I thought were doing a great job and had business models that could really work. And again, like this is something that like, I find intellectually really interesting. It broadens my scope and horizon and exciting and also can lead to next steps uh, through that kind of experimentation, just pursuing those interests. So now, as I mentioned, this friend and I are starting this fund that's going to be focused on the same space. And so I think that that just continues to build on that. And I'm a big believer in general that like thinking about experiments, (laughs) right? Or what are the things I get excited about? (laughs) And what are small ways that I can start pursuing those can oftentimes lead to, okay, what do I want to do next too? As you think about how you have grown and developed in in your career, particularly since your time at Stern, I'd be curious to know, what what do you think are the parts that have undergone the most change or transformation in, your, in yourself as well as just in your career? I, I think a lot of some of the things I've mentioned here but a couple that are probably most top of mind, maybe three or four. First, which is just an increased clarity and perspective on the direction that I want my career to go in. I think it started out with a really vague shape. To your point, urban, like 10, 15 years ago, urban tech was not a thing. Climate tech was not really a thing, (laughs) right? And so both the industries have developed, my own understanding of them have developed, my excitement for particular aspects of them and clarity of where I think that I can make a difference. 
Second, just that increased set of skills and ability that allowed me to be nimble, right, and taking on interesting roles and challenges in that forest or path, whatever the metaphor is that serves anyone listening here. Third, and a big one for me is just like confidence in that approach. Like I, I think that there's both the problem solving aspect that we talked about from gaining that toolkit from NYU and BCG, but also that like pursuing a forest rather than a straight line path is actually a great and exciting thing to do. <laughs> right. And that that's a, that's what fits me and that's what works for my personality and things like that. And that you can be successful in pursuing that, that kind of pursuit as well. And then just like lastly, what we were just talking about earlier too, which is the community of people to support you along the way. Again, I, I didn't come from a background where there are a lot of people with like cool jobs that were always telling me about like why I should go in that direction. Like, I feel like I really had to learn that along the way myself and through people I started to meet in my working career and continue to find that the peers and especially peer women that I've met along this journey have been instrumental to my own growth and development, be that NYU, BCG, Sidewalk Labs, uh, now um, even my first career where people were like, okay, this is your first job. You're doing all these things that don't really make sense. <laughs> right. So like, and, and that value and, and that peer network to be supportive and to have conversations about an extra career transition, kind of a life moment, you know, all of these things I think have really gone through big kind of transformation since business school. All right. Before we wrap up here, Laura, which it's been a great conversation, I want to go to the speed round and I have a couple questions that I ask every guest and I would love to ask you. And so that first question is, what does career success mean to you? For me, it's having an impact on cities, uh, people and climate, and at the same time, making room for women to rise and excel in those spaces as well. Who is a leader that you admire and respect? Jeanette Sadakan, who's a former New York City Department of Transportation Commissioner who brought business and strategic skills to kind of revolutionize a public sector agency and brought a lot of focus to transforming streets to accommodate people and sustainable mobility. I just really think that she's done an incredible job both in New York and then has taken a lot of those learnings to Cities International with Bloomberg Philanthropies and Bloomberg Associates and others. Last but not least, what is one piece of career advice that was so good that you have to share it with others? I think it's what we talked about earlier, which is the like, it's okay to not have it figured out, whatever it is, <laughs> right? And to view careers as these set of experiments and to enjoy the learning along the way. Don't be 23-year-old Laura. <laughs> it was very scary to be 23-year-old Laura. Uh, and I think that that excitement about what comes next and the fact that what comes next isn't super clear, I think is really thrilling. Laura Fox, a NYU Stern MBA alum and the currently at Lyft. Thank you so much for coming on the MBA Insider Podcast. It's been great chatting with you. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed it. Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.